0: Podcast today. Three plus one is just one plus one. As we welcome our guest, just low on Instagram, Lorel Oliveira. (laughs) Lorel, welcome to the Three Plus One podcast.
1: Hey there, hey there. I'm excited to be here. I am
0: really glad that you could join us today. And so, Lorel is a lot of things. Lorel is a YouTuber, a podcaster, a brand ambassador, and a social media influencer. So, Lorel, And a flight attendant. And a flight attendant, (laughs) right? That's how we pay those big bills. Yeah. So with all of the things that you do and all the things that you engage in, how do you find time to balance such a heavy load?
1: That's a really tricky question. First of all, prayer. Uh, Because I have to really... um, Pray about, you know, my day and how things are going to go. Because you can plan as much as you want to, but I have to pray before I start anything. And then prioritize. Um, I think for me, as a mother, my daughter is always going to be my priority, my number one. So her schedule is going to come first. And then my work schedule, my everyday work schedule. And then determining, like, how much of the day I need for other things. So, like, if I need to put a new episode up on the podcast then I'll be doing that. If I need to um, make a video for YouTube, I'll be doing that. Um, So just really prioritizing and getting a schedule that works. I have to write things down. I'm not an electronic person. I can't be like building a list of my notes and hold myself accountable to that. I have to write things down. Um, And so I always encourage people to get a board or something visible that you can see every day and write down like, This is what I'm doing on a month scale, a year scale, a day-to-day, a weekly, um, and that really helps me. So I think that's important, and I honestly don't waver from that. Like I I stick to that, and actually uh, have my fiance do the same thing, and we're like on one accord with that. So that's how I keep my life straight.
0: So has your fiance always listed out and used those notes as his as an organization organizational tool for him? Or he is better did he start than me. He started doing that when he kind of got involved with you.
1: He's actually better than me because <laughs> he's a teacher and he's been teaching for ten years. So he is like lesson plan trained and. You know, he has his stuff color-coded. He has a whiteboard in the house where he actually does, um, you know, day-to-day stuff and crosses it off. So, he actually taught me a lot about organization. He'll actually argue that he's taught me my whole life (laughs) because he um, is really – he doesn't waver from that whatsoever. Like, if he has a a week, every week he's like, babe, what are we doing on Wednesday? What are we doing on Thursday? What time? He'll plan it down to the times. Like, okay, at 530, I'm going to leave here and then go – But it works, and I think for us being two busy people and two parents, like, we need that, because if we don't, we're going to be a hot mess.
0: So, you know, (laughs) it's our Monday episode, and so I want to talk a little bit about the projects that you have, and then on Tuesday, we'll talk about how you balance family and the work that you do, and then on Wednesday, we're going to talk about your future plans and where you want to take your vision. But when you look at all the things that you're doing, which of those things gives you the most passionate reward of, of all the things that you do which one do you feel is truly a passion project for you
1: for me i'm very passionate about uh media and music i always have been in merging the two and so when i get the opportunity to work on um different shows like the grammys or um the bt awards or vibe um listed me as a freelancer and i got the opportunity to do a lot of work for them over the past two years that's the stuff that really um makes my eyes sparkle and gets me excited because when I'm able to work with different artists or cover things that they're doing um, and do so in a way that brings a different angle to, the, to them, um, basically the storytelling aspect of media and music that you don't see when you see an artist and you get excited about them, but you don't know that they're um, you know, from poverty or you don't know that they're really passionate about immigration or just different things. When you're able to bring that to light in a very intelligent way, um, I get super excited. Like if vibe hits me about a project, I'm like, where I can. I literally landed one time at nine o'clock at night, and they texted me about an event, and I was there at nine thirty. I was there, like in my airport clothes, ready to go. You know, because I I love it. I would do it for. I have done it for free. I've done it for free multiple times, and I always tell people if you can't do something for free and it doesn't, like, you're going to complain about it, then that means you don't love it. Because if somebody called me right now and said, hey, come downtown, we need you to do an interview with Monica or somebody, I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm coming, I got to go. And you move things around in your life to make room for that. You know, there's, there won't be any doubt in your mind. And I think that's what people need to find um, within themselves. Is like, what will I do for free? If I could do it for free for the rest of my life, some me
0: And so, journalism is something that you feel you could truly do as Absolutely. a passion project the rest of your life for free.
1: Absolutely. So,
0: but you have a background in journalism, correct? I do. And so, the
1: person that you hear talking taught me everything I well, know. Well, I don't know about that,
0: but I really am <laughs> talking about your you know, your collegiate experiences at mm-hmm. FAMU. Absolutely. Florida A&M University. You were a mass comm major.
1: I was. I, was, I actually started as a broadcast journalism um, strictly on that track. And then... I switched over to the public relations track um, and I had the background of both. So the classes kind of merged together and I was really grateful for that because you learn how to, you're trained for broadcast, but then you understand the background of that in public relations. And so um, I loved my time at FAMU and I feel like my professors were very, um, they, were, they were very intentional about what they taught us, um, how to be black in the world and how to, walk into a room and say, hi, you know, I'll be working with you and I know what I'm doing. And I felt very prepared when I left FAMU for that. And what you taught us, um, you know, in school, I feel like when I came in as a freshman and my professor, one of my professors, Professor Grable, when she saw my writing, she she pulled me aside and I was scared because she was a tough professor. And I was like, what is she going to say? And she pulled me aside one day and she said, I can tell that you have, training that you need to be here because your writing is exceptional and that made me feel you know empowered throughout my time in school and in the real world because i was like i know how to write you know when i when vibe asked me to come write for them i was like you know what i know this stuff like i was able to reference all of these uh tools that i had you know so i really journalism is something that i feel like first of all it's very difficult in this time to find a paying job a high paying job in journalism and so i think you have to be the type of person that will work for free and hustle your way up to the top because people love to be in this industry. And so you're oftentimes looked at as like, I can just go find the next person to do what you're doing if you don't want to do it, you know? So you have to be that person that's like, I'll take the trash out until you trust me to write, you know, this article or write this press release. Like I can do those things, you know, but a lot of people don't want to do that. So
0: they don't want to put in the work to get the reward, reward, right? And so Um, With that being stated, you know your work in really building up a brand for yourself has been very intentional and very, very careful. We have a lot of listeners out there who are probably interested in doing some of the same things, whether it's being a social media influencer, a YouTuber, or a freelance journalist. Mm -hmm. What advice can you give them?
1: Um, The best advice that I could give, honestly, is, first of all, um, be yourself, your authentic self. A lot of times, it's so weird to even hear you say... Me, social media influencer because
0: my. Well, I mean, whole, how many f- followers do you have on Instagram? I'm at
1: 19, uh, 18.6 right now um, and honestly when people ask me that question I just am myself My if you go to my page you will see that everything is um, is transparent and it's as I'm going through it throughout my day or throughout my week or whatever it's like real time real information and I think when people look at your brand and they feel like it's trustworthy and you're not out here trying to sell something that you're not, then they can actually adapt and, uh, and trust you with whatever they're trying to do. If you don't look authentic and you look like something that's um, kind of programmed to be this thing, people don't trust that and people don't want to employ that type of person. So for me, um, my sister and I, our podcast is just real life. It's just what, things that have happened to us or experiences that we've had and we share them. From the most, you know, brilliant, amazing things to stuff that broke our hearts, you know. And, and, um, so and the that, name of the
0: podcast is Art um, of
1: the Funny Girl. Yes, it is. Art of the Funny Girl podcast. Really
0: good podcast. Oh,
1: thank you. Yes, with my sister, um, who was also a former student. Correct, um, <laughs> correct. But, um, yes, my sister and her Instagram name is Lindsay underscore Raina. And we started this podcast because we came from this family that really uh, believed in character and believed in making the most out of every situation that you're given. So if you can take a situation that's not so pleasant and find like the silver lining that's kind of funny, we were like, you know what, we need to do a show and we need to really talk about that and bring on guests that have had those similar life experiences where they're like, this wasn't the greatest experience ever, but, you know, can throw that kind of anecdote and put that humor into it. And so... We've, that's been our whole life, you know, we have really found, and I think that comes from our upbringing and our parents and, um, you know, our dad and just that, that branch that we had where he was like that, you know? Um, so yeah, that's our podcast and we have, we have taken a break. We took a little break. So we have right now all of our episodes up and our season two is gearing up, um, which I'm excited about because we have a lot of content that we've stored up and we're ready to laugh.
0: So... Yeah, I think it's a great, I, I, I enjoy listening to the podcast. Thank you. And so one thing that I can say that I can see, again, I'm always um, thinking about how can you build your, I'm a brand builder in my head, I'm mm-hmm. a content creator, I'm someone who's always thinking about, you know, how can you take this to the next level? And I can mm-hmm. completely see Lindsay and you join together, taking these stories and really writing a nice, solid biography or autobiographical experience. So you've already I recorded. I think that be so dope. You've listened to it. It's a simple process of taking those same stories the same issues and same experiences and then putting them together. That's a attempt. really cool idea, actually. It will add to your brand and add to what uh, you produce produced and put out in the <laughs> world. I would um, love that.
1: I, um, I think that with... Um, With my sister, first of all, I I just being a writer first. I feel like when you haven't written in a while, you're always like thirsty to write. And right now, I'm very um, that just got me excited because I've been telling Greg before I'm thirty, I'm twenty five, I'm about to be twenty six. So before I'm thirty, I will have a book on the shelf. I don't know what it will be, but that just gave me an idea. So. Uh, look out for my The book. Art of
0: the Funny Girl absolutely could the be book. not only a podcast, but also a book, but could I also agree. be another uh, YouTube series that you and Lindsay could actually record together. And that would so, be
1: dope. I really I like that. That's yeah,
0: something to think about. What has been your biggest challenge in this game of growing your media brand? The biggest challenge that you faced.
1: Um, I think the biggest challenge that I faced would have to be um the vulnerability of social media. I think when you decide to brand yourself as someone that's transparent, you have to be um, aware that you are vulnerable and you are opening yourself up to commentary. You're opening yourself up to um, opinions that may be favorable or not, may not be. And you just have to take that. And so uh, one of the most, I, I would say the biggest thing was being a parent young and also uh, losing my father because those are two things that I talk about openly on um, my all of my platforms and I think that it's a story worth telling but I also realize it came it comes with a lot of criticism luckily I have not been a recipient of negative criticism or commentary but I recognize that that was a thing and I also felt like um, you know will brands because I do get sponsored by brands sometimes and so my biggest thing was like If a brand wants to pay me to promote their product, are they not going to want to get behind, you know, what I'm talking about?
0: And who you really are, your authentic self. Exactly. And all the things that have brought you to being who you are.
1: And I've had brands, you know, I've had some brands that were like, oh, great, you're awesome for our campaign. I've had some brands like, oh, you know what? Like, I actually had a brand last week um, say, you know, I don't think you're the right fit for this. And I was like, that's fine. You know, I'm ready to, I'm willing to cut my losses where they may because I don't want to get... Um, in partnership with a product that's going to want me to change who I am. I'm not going to change who I am because you want to pay me to promote whatever campaign you have going on. Like, if if your campaign aligns with who I am, we can do business. But if not, I'm not doing it. And so I did have that, and I was totally fine. So I think that's a challenge, and I think it's a challenge for a lot of people to not abandon your moral compass just to make money. And I think there can social media can be lucrative, but if you are compromising who you are to you know, sustain yourself financially, I don't think that's wise. It's an, I think whatever is for you will align with, with who you are. So um, my biggest challenge has been finding that balance and just um, being able to stand true in what I know works. Because being transparent works. Being your authentic self works. People, you know, hire these marketing people for like thousands of dollars who tell you that in a very roundabout way. You know, you don't need a million words to tell you, hey, be your, be yourself, you know, whatever. And I'm also, um, the politics of it, I don't care about any of it, like, at all. Like, if you think that this didn't engage well or that my insights on this particular post wasn't, I don't care about that. Like, I feel like the person that commented and said, hey, you know, I had a parent that was sick too and I took care of them. That matters more to me than um, if this got a thousand likes or whatever, you know, I don't That doesn't bother me. So that's the biggest challenge, I think, when you're trying to brand build is uh, find the balance of being able to be marketable on a large scale and stay true to yourself. Um, So God willing, I will continue to be able to, you know, manage that balance. But I'm not switching up like you can't throw no check at me and be like, oh, if you can just alter this post. No, thank you. I'm good. You know?
0: So have you had people come back and ask you to change posts or change something that you've done or produced or created? Um, or have I, you worked with brands and are just like, I'm happy with what I have?
1: I have worked with a couple of brands where uh, I think they were looking for someone more of the Caucasian persuasion. And for me personally, I'm very open about, being black on my platform and i have a daughter who is black as well and so i also you know talk about things that are are personal to the black to experience yeah and and so i've had brands that don't want to get on board with that or feel like it's too it's too that and that's too bad like i feel or like it's
0: too ethnic or right, it's too, controversial. Or too or...
1: urban they love to use the word urban. urban and i'm not For me, people like to associate blackness with being urban, and I I will never understand that whole... I I don't understand how that coincides. I definitely think that they can be congruent, but I don't think that that's necessarily a word to group black people in, you know? And for me, I don't even feel like when it comes down to there being more... um, I don't feel like my page is like the Malcolm X of all pages, you know? So if you can't really get on board with the amount of... Pride that I have in you know my ethnicity then my god like you know I, I just don't know I don't think that I'm like power to the people like that's not but I also don't shy away from it because I do realize that when you have I don't even have I have 18.6 thousand followers but that's still a larger platform and for me I recognize that all those people there's white people black people Asian people whoever's following me and this may be the only thing that they see that it's like hey this is the black experience in America. This is important to pay attention to. This, If you've never seen this perspective, you'll see it here. And I'm not going to change that. But I have had brands that are like, eh. and In fact, I had a brand that um, was trying to do... It was a lifestyle brand. And it's actually a pretty big brand. And that was their whole thing. And I was just like, no.
0: The whole thing was that you were too urban. Yeah. And they wanted you to take that element away...
1: For their campaign. For their product.
0: Yeah. And And be more...
1: I don't know what they want me to be. More Suzy Q. I don't know because I feel like I feel like on my platforms there's balance, you know, like you're not gonna I'm not Sean King, you're not gonna get political activism, you know, from me every day. I'm not mother Teresa, you're not gonna get mother to children. You're gonna get a little bit of both. Like you're gonna get me as a mom, me as a soon to be wife, me as a, you know, family member, me flying when I'm flying, like, there's so many different so who things. Who you
0: authentically are.
1: Yeah. Lifestyle-wise.
0: Right. And so. so, yeah, that's something that, you know, I'm thinking about in regards to, you know, uh, a new podcast venture called This Educator's Life with Zach I like Kirk, that. To really, you know, but to be real, to give our real, to be, uh, as you stated, an authentic self, so... Uh, this very well may be the very first episode of that <laughs> podcast, so we will see how <laughs> that works. Well, being that I, and how I, it goes, so this may be dropped with three plus one, but then turn right around and get dropped as the first episode of this educator's life, and so this is about really figuring out what that platform is going to do and and uh, be able to support. Because I really do feel strongly in this platform, because. You know, 3 plus 1 is meant to be a multi-generational mix. Mm-hmm. You're a millennial, mm-hmm. I'm a zennial, and mm-hmm. the world that we see is the same world, but we look at it through two different vantage points, mm-hmm. two very different perspectives, and that's the whole point. And, but sometimes we agree 100%, and sometimes it all comes together, like with Amber Geiger, who was sentenced last week to 10 years Ooh, for Jesus. the murder of Botham Jean um there has been protest. there's been outcry uh, and there's also been people who felt like this was a beautiful moment in american history (laughs) well let's talk about
1: i'm not the latter i'll tell you you're not the latter you don't think
0: this was a beautiful moment in american history i
1: definitely do not not at all why? not in the least bit and i'll tell you um first of all in examining this entire case from start to finish I think the media and just social media in general has done this amazing thing. It's, it's both amazing and a little bit concerning because you get clips of a story without getting the full picture of the story. So when you see Botham Jean's brother hugging Amber Geiger and the judge hugging Amber Geiger and you get these little pieces that the judge, we're going to get on her. We're just going to put the judge to the side because we just talk about the brother. You know, that to me, I feel like if that's what he genuinely needed to grieve, That's probably the emotional um, thing that people feel like they can relate to in regards to this is a beautiful moment in American history, which honestly, if, if that's genuine, like if he genuinely hugged her upon sentencing because it was soothing to his spirit and his soul, I can get behind that. But the whole case in itself is disgusting. It's disgusting. It's tragic. And here's why. When have you ever seen a black person, a black man, woman, specifically black men in general, sentenced to murder for murder and given 10 years in reality, they're not going to serve that 10 that, you know, that amount of time. So she's getting 10 years. She probably served five. Maybe that to me, you've never seen that. You've never. And and honestly, if the shoe was on the other foot and a black man had killed a cop, they would have made an example out of him. And I feel like I don't feel like maybe
0: hypothetically, they would have perhaps,
1: perhaps, But history has proven that that would have most likely been his reality. And I also feel, I don't feel, I know for a fact that society has really trained us or tried to train us to be sensitive to white tears. And I don't, I can't do it. First of all, Amber Geiger was on the stand. I didn't see one tear drop. But the whole appearance of, you know, the sorrow and all this emotion when white women do it, when white people do it, but specifically white women, you are society is like, oh, if, when it's black women's tears, no one cares. When it's black men's tears, no one cares. But white women, for some reason, it's like we. When you look at Emma Till, I mean, date go all the way back. This white woman said, this little boy, this child, whistled at her, whistled at her, and he was killed. I mean, literally slaughtered, and, and this is dating back to Emmett Till. So now you have her, and I don't. So from
0: yeah, from Marks, Mississippi. I
1: mean, I feel nothing. I mean, the history of the of of America, and I think that watching all of this, I feel like it was full of corruption. I feel like it has exposed the reality of the police department once again. Why Kaepernick continues to kneel and take his stand because this is beyond me. I mean, and and also it. Poses the question of, can I not be safe in my own home as a as a black person in America? I'm sitting eating a bowl of vanilla ice cream, probably after a long ass day of work, and you shoot me, Dad? You didn't even. and, And the jury proved that she didn't yell any commands at him. She didn't say, "Hey, why are you in my house?" If you thought this was your home, what would you not say? "Hey, this is my home. Why are you not on my Why are you on my couch? Whatever. Nothing. You say nothing, and you shoot him. And what's even more dispiriting to me is they have said during throughout the whole trial that only lasted 11 days um, the 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 question of race was never brought up in the trial to me I just feel like that is very strange I'm gonna use the word strange you know because what do you mean race was not brought up I don't I don't I don't get that I really don't I, do you get does that make sense does that how do you feel?
0: So, I think that... Because I do. I think with the race, I think, you know, the answer to answer the question is regarding race and why race may not have been brought up is that that probably was a decision made by the prosecution to not factor it in because they didn't want yeah. the ju- the jury to run and kind of go down a rabbit hole or to think they, they were using this as a race case because it's such a sensitive issue. True. Uh, the jury was exceptionally diverse yes so that is a fact point of fact I agree um it was a very diverse jury and that was kind of a surprise or kind of a you know you know yeah you know for that jury to make this decision but I do and how how I feel you know it's a lot of you know I think conflicting feelings I think first of all I do not agree with 10 years I don't at all the cost all. of a human life no We have seen, thankfully, social media has posted so many uh, recent memes and infographics that show other people that have been sentenced. There was a lady sentenced for 20 years in jail for firing warning shots.
1: There was a man sentenced to 40 years in Ohio for killing a police canine. 40 years for killing a police dog. A dog.
0: A dog. A dog. dog. And so this lady gets 10 years for killing um, an innocent man in his house eating ice cream. So that, I definitely think, is an absolute travesty of justice. Um, I am also, you know, conflicted about the brother and the judge. I'm conflicted about the brother because I do believe that we must always take the road of forgiveness and the higher road. I would pray that if I'm ever in a situation and I'm having to make a decision to forgive, that I would. But what I would not have done was ask for a leniency for her. I I would want her to have forgiveness, but I would also want her to have a Appropriate justice. Absolutely. Because that is the law and she is not above the law. She should not be given extra considerations in the law.
1: Absolutely. And
0: with the judge, you know, I don't I do I don't think it was inappropriate <laughs> for her to hug the the I um do. convict. Right. Okay. I right. don't think it was inappropriate convict. for her to hug the convict. Convict. But I think that more convicts should also, you know, get hugged. <laughs> or be shown the same level more of black treatment. convicts. So, you know, be maybe this hugged. is a hugging judge, right? Maybe that's her thing and she hugs everybody know, convicted. Then maybe we maybe we need to we do need more, look into say, it. more research into Would her to see, you know, is this a habit? Is she the hugging judge?
1: In all fairness, I Definitely, I agree with that. I really am big on forgiveness as well. And I feel like, well, let me say, I believe in the concept of forgiveness. However, acting it out is very difficult for me under certain circumstances. However, when you're talking about, which I saw someone bring this up as well, when you're talking about the separation of church and state as a judge, for you to give this woman a Bible and say, this is my personal Bible, take it with you when you go to prison First of all, you were sworn in. You know, you're supposed to know um, those basic factors of church state. period. And you're giving her, this woman who has been convicted of murdering an innocent, unarmed man, a Bible and a hug, ma'am. That, to me... Is very that's not beautiful to me. You
0: think she crossed a lot?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> I feel like but America no. did say it was
0: a beautiful moment of racial America, reconciliation. America's saying and, a and,
1: lot at this point, and what
0: America isn't saying is that Bernie Sanders needs to drop mm. out of the race. Also, happening last week, Bernie Sanders was hospitalized for a blocked artery, uh, that we now know was actually a heart attack. <laughs> he is 78 years old. What are your thoughts? Uh, one thing that we've talked about on the podcast and this, uh, season has been of course the 2020 campaign and the democratic primaries that are looming what are your thoughts on bernie sanders and what might need to come next for our favorite senator from i
1: love him first of all my thoughts you
0: feel like bernie is a viable candidate
1: you know what you're trying to be shady. i I know i want
0: to know (laughs) Is bernie sanders do you feel (laughs) that bernie sanders is a viable candidate for president of the united states of america
1: i feel at 78 years old See, you see the shade? I'm asking. Did I'm asking. you catch the shade? I feel like he is a wonderful person. Now, the viable candidate part of it, um, I did not realize until this article or this news broke that he was indeed 78,
0: nearing 80. Well, that's good, though. That means that he is more vital than I, what his age may portray. He comes across a level of vigor <laughs> that he feel, uh doesn't portray You that know age.
1: what? We had a conversation last night about this. We were all sitting around, and one of Greg's friends is a lawyer, and she and I, we were all having a conversation. And one thing that she brought up was you don't have to necessarily be the president of the United States to bring about change in America. And I think that is... When she said that, it really was profound to me because... I think Bernie Sanders, when you look back at his history, and I had to do research because I wasn't around, you know, and I think you should do research on a candidate. He was really on board with civil rights way back when. You know, he was involved with Martin Luther King. Bernie Sanders has always been about, um, you know, equality. That has been proven. You can prove these things throughout his life. And so for me, as a candidate, I look for consistency, I don't want when you're declaring candidacy that now you're weaving in and out of, you know, what you've always stood for. I think you I think at that point, you're pan, you're panhandling for votes. And I don't like that. I think that a lot of millennials don't like that. I think that when we're trying to find a candidate that works for us or that we feel is worthy of our vote, we're looking at consistency. And so it was very sad to me to watch this or to see this news break about Bernie having um, a heart attack, which they confirmed yesterday that he had a heart attack, because I feel like he's really dedicating his life to this work. And when you dedicate, he's stressed. The man is stressed. Like, they're not giving him an opportunity to do what he's passionate about because they're always attacking him. First of all, I watched it... Something that was so disgusting, they attacked the way that he looked, they said that he looks mean, he looks like this mean old grandpa, and when you see videos of him, he's always hugging people, he's always hugging young women, he had young women, this one lady, she told him, she said, you know what, you're the only candidate that I feel like cares about us, because he cares about healthcare, and those, you know, those things, and feel like he's not a socialist that's just out here like, or not socialist. A
0: democratic socialist. Yeah, Yeah.
1: they say he's a socialist and I'm like.
0: He's a socialist.
1: He is, but I feel like he.
0: He's a socialist but a socialist may not be bad.
1: Exactly. And I I feel like his principles, like the things that he stands for, it's made me sad. Now
0: I have a Bernie, I met Bernie Sanders. You did? In a real life human interaction. It wasn't an event, it was like on the streets of Atlanta. Really? Yeah. Go look at my Instagram. Okay, I saw the picture.
1: Okay, but how It was was
0: a Sunday morning. Uh, I was running with my good friend Dwayne, who was a podcast. That's right, you know Mm Dwayne. Ready, set, (laughs) great. So Dwayne and I, we were running this massive ten mile push that he was having me do. Mm -hmm. And while we were running, we saw, you know, Senator Bernie Sanders, and he was with our own um, House House Representatives, Rep. Hank Johnson, who you know represents us here in the cab, mm-hmm. and I walked up to him and asked him for a hug. I was sweaty. I had been, I mean, Aww. running eight miles, and the people there were like, "No, no," but he was like, "No, yes, come, yeah, we'll <laughs>
1: don't do, bur- he bur- did, come on, <laughs> oh, take a hug." Why so are you in
0: that, but it, I <laughs> got my photo with him. and... Uh, you know, and I posted it. So I think that I agree. I was really impressed by that. I do agree with what you're saying. And he is for I the people. I think he's kind. And I,
1: and I think yeah. he is. I think if he's not, obviously, I don't know if he's but running, up, he's, I know. I know he's not. He's yeah. not. But. He's not. <laughs> is he viable
0: as a candidate? That's the question. I and do so, no. and, and I'm not just saying, no. asking you if he's viable because of that, the fact that he's seven, eight years old. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I don't necessarily think that, you know, that eight, we, who are we to say the span of someone's right, life, right? Right, right. But I'm asking in regards to his views. He is an extreme left-leaning politician. Mm-hmm. He isn't avowed socialist. Uh, highly progressive, but is he someone that can actually beat President Trump in the 2020 election?
1: You know what? I honestly, statistically speaking, I have not looked at where the country is leaning at this point, and to be honest, I thought, before Trump was elected, that I understood where the country leans and where the country stands, or stood, but we see that that was incorrect. So I don't know if he is, um, age aside, if he is a for the challenge of going against Trump. But what I will say is that I think he is a little extreme um, in how left he is. But I think that we have gone so much in the other direction that what he is presenting and what he is suggesting is kind of what we need. Maybe not on that on that, you know, extreme level. But a lot of the stuff that he's trying to implement, I think, um, healthcare. I watched a video where he met with a mother who her son was, um, he was gonna die because he didn't have enough insulin, and a thousand dollars was not even enough to get him a month's worth of insulin. Where they took him to Canada and he took that same a thousand dollars and got eight months' worth of insulin. To me, I feel like that is a crisis, that's not something that. And his mother, she was telling, you know, doing the interview and she was saying, I've worked my whole life. If you have worked your whole life and you have been a taxpaying citizen and you cannot afford basic health care where your life is on the line, like at this point you're going to die. To me, that is something that you have to look at really closely. Like, well, what the hell do we care if we have a president if we're all going to die anyway? Well, we don't we can't take care of ourselves. You know, so that but everyone's
0: not going to die. Only the people that can't afford the right. life saving me- the life saving medicine and measures, are going to die. And that, that is, and, and, and let's speak on, on who that is. Who is that?
1: And that's, and but that's my whole thing. I feel like this country, when just what you said, is my point. The people that have the money and the power, those are the people that all these policies are favoring essentially and so now you fear someone who's coming in with policies that don't just favor you in your pockets they favor the people that are unspoken for and I think that is a big issue I also think the student debt crisis is another one of his campaign points that he has um really brought to light well amongst other candidates but I feel like what he's talking about in regards to student debt relief like you the American dream was founded upon you go to school you go to upper, you know. You go to college, you get a degree, you get a job. There are people with doctorates, masters, who are busting tables, who have no, you know, nothing lined up because they are in so much debt. So, much, I am one of them. You know, I Greg has a master's. He has a undergrad degree. He has a master's. I have a bachelor's degree. We are thankfully financially we're fine. However, we still have our money is allocated towards student loans as well. It's, I mean, to me. I don't. I look at other countries, and I'm wondering why are we in the position that we're in, and why is it that you look at a candidate like Bernie Sanders and feel so concerned, but you don't look at a candidate like Donald Trump and be like, "Dang, we don't hit rock bottom." I can't even. I will tell you, from the time Donald Trump got elected, I don't look at the news because I feel like I'm ignorance is bliss at this point, and I don't know what you know what I mean, so. But to answer your question, I do not think that age aside, he, because I don't think the country, watching how they voted previously as a collective, I don't think the country will get behind, get behind him. And it's sad to me because I was ready to cast my vote. I'm telling you right now. Great. So
0: you, did you support Bernie Sanders in the 26th? I mean, in the 2016? I did. Okay. Yep. And I d- sure did. did. You support him over Hillary.
1: I sure did. It's
0: definitely been a trend on the podcast. I My sure love did. Love adoration of Hillary Clinton who I feel love and adore. You too? Huge fan. Huge fan. <laughs> huge fan. Was very disappointed. I felt like Bernie Sanders was a major distraction and I felt like he was going to hurt the Democratic Party a lot more than help. And I do feel as though a lot of young millennials uh, a lot of black people didn't mm-hmm. vote in 2016 one way or the other because they were so hardcore for Bernie and Hillary had it misaligned because of Russian interference and how they wanted and and the use of Facebook to portray her a certain way, and I think that that hurt her chances and hurt and cost her the election. Um, I agree. But you know, Bernie, I've never been a fan. Still, I'm still not a fan. Oh
1: my God! Did nobody run up to Bernie all sweaty in the park to take a picture? I was thankful for the
0: picture, and that made (laughs) me not speak against him. You, but I, I can't say that fair? he would not be the person I would vote for today in this, uh, in the, in the Georgia primary. You know, he wouldn't be, he I wouldn't mean, get my vote I and can't, again. Not just because I think that he might be just a little bit too old, yeah, t- and to run, yeah. but I think that he doesn't have a strong chance of beating.
1: I agree. Trump. I think honestly, people we have to continue, pull the best. Yeah,
0: people will continuously vote against their own interests and what's best for themselves. For ideals, yep. right? An ideology of white nationalism, or an ideology of I want to be like them, yep. or an yep. ideology of, well, he's just like so and so that yep. I know and respect, and therefore he'll get my vote. I and agree. that's what people are trying to do when they try to portray him in the very beginning, you stated as an old grandpa. Oh, they no. want to make him seem like an old grandpa, but Donald Trump be the good old boy. Yep. Although he has nothing like a good old boy, except he the, the fact that he's in a good old, old party. But again, you know, I think. I don't think he's a chance. I, I would love I for Bernie to go ahead and step out of this campaign. Not step out. I feel go like. Go ahead and step out and put <laughs> his endorsement and money. Behind, behind a good candidate? another candidate. candidate. Whether it's Elizabeth Warren, Julian Castro, Kamala Harris, or uh, Joe Biden. And who we'll talk about later on uh, in the week. We had a teacher in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who was fired. And who is now suing the school district because that teacher refused to use mm-hmm. a transgender student's preferred pronoun peter Blanding, who was a french teacher uh in virginia said that he would not use pronouns such as him and his to refer to a female student who was transitioning to male do you feel as though this man had a valid right to do that like it was that right for a teacher like was that within his rights say, you know i'm not going to accept someone's pr- preference no, uh, I don't.
1: I really don't. I, I will say, uh, you know, with being... I will say, uh, marrying a teacher who has taught for 10 years, we have this conversation at home all the time because he has several students that, um, you know, uh, this is a real thing. Like, this, he has students in his class that he comes face-to-face with this type of situation all the time. And I think... As a person, first of all, he teaches high school. Um, you, it's say it, I wouldn't say it's. Um, this is just my opinion. No, yeah,
0: this is we want. Your this opinion. is my opinion, yeah, we y'all. Want your opinion. If
1: you're in high school, when I was in high school, I was very articulate and I was very able to make my own decisions. So I feel like if that child is asking you to be called, you know, by a certain pronoun, you are not their parent. You are not someone that can can impose your personal feelings on that child for me as a mother i feel like if my child is um you know at school and i had to deal with a teacher whatever the case may be and you're imposing your personal ideals or your personal preferences or whatever on my child i'm gonna have a problem with that because i don't think that's appropriate you know what i'm saying let your let their parents you know, impose whatever they feel on their child, whether they agree or they disagree. That's not for you to do. And I think, now, when it comes down to, because I did read his argument in regards to him losing his job. Yeah, and
0: he's saying that he has freedom of speech, and this is an encroachment, and that he's choosing to refuse to do that because of religious reasons. Now, I
1: hate when people try to throw the freedom of speech out there. And freedom
0: of religion. He's saying that this was a religious choice, that God made this young man a woman, and therefore he refused to not honor God's intention. I go so back did. to
1: what I feel about the Amber Geiger case. You cannot take what you cannot take Christianity and mesh it with foolishness. I feel like you can't. You cannot. You cannot take like in and the Kanye West, which we'll get to him later. You can't take no, we're
0: talking about Kanye, I think, Wednesday.
1: Oh, okay. Well, he's another one. You cannot take what God said for and what God intended and his words and twist it and make it your own and a lot of people do it people in the South love to do it with their guns and everything else. My whole thing is freedom of speech and freedom of religion has nothing to do with this. No one is telling you you can't believe what you believe or abide. I'm a Christian myself. You can't no one's telling you that. What this child is simply saying is hey I want to be called him or her. That's not your that's not your business. And I think people try to make things that are not their business their business and i feel like that's where now in regards to what he said about their policies i think from a legal standpoint the school in this whole lawsuit they're gonna have the burden of proof of this is what our policy states in x y and z and this is why we fired him i think he was better off going with that you know he said in there that they don't have a clause in their policy that states we have to adhere by x y and z if you're able to prove that and a judge deems that you know, worthy cause of them firing you. That's different. But the whole freedom of speech and freedom of religion, I think that's a major stretch. And I feel like people need to quit using that to blanket their justify their foolishness. Like I
0: justified discrimination or bigotry. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think it's it's a it's a cop out and it's the worst cop out you can have because no one's yanking your freedom of speech from you. I think Trump tries to use that all the time. Like, sir, we're telling you that you're on Twitter and you sound stupid and that's not freedom of speech that's letting you know you sound ignorant like when he was banned on twitter you're gonna get banned on twitter because it's not about freedom of speech it's about the fact that you are using this platform to say tomfoolery
0: and we're sick of it mm-hmm. and so that's what you feel yeah that he I, doesn't have a case
1: i don't feel like he has a I feel like if that's his standing <clears throat> argument the judge is gonna be like sir but what boom.
0: if a student came up to a teacher and said i want you to call me shot low that's different how
1: that's very different
0: because I, I'm, not, I'm not saying. But I here's agree. why
1: because it's different I just
0: because I want to throw in and play devil's advocate. Yeah,
1: I agree because I feel like you are now. Is you're talking about gender and then you're talking about name preference, pronouns? I feel like refer to what, a, him a person, place, thing, person, you know, as a whole, right. right? So that's a pronoun that's different than yeah. saying you know, hey, my nickname is Lolo. Like I can't go to my teacher. My name is Laurel Oliver. Hey, can you call me Lolo? Ma'am, I'm gonna call you Miss Oliveira. Like, I think that's totally different than saying specifically because of your gender. And then to his argument, he brought up the whole freedom of religion. So now you're saying the reason why you don't want to call me that is because of your religion. See, that's where he messed up. Okay, okay,
0: okay. I, you see I, I what I'm saying? Because you, that's
1: your argument. Right. That's what you're saying. You're saying because I believe. It's just like the lady who lost her job. Remember when they um, legalized gay marriage, and she she yeah, she refused
0: she, to mm-hmm. make a cake.
1: Right, and so and she was like, "Well, I I don't know, agree with that." So, but I feel like business is business. These people, you're at work, you're a teacher. Greg, I told you, I am yeah, married a teacher. Greg
0: you is your fiance. He, is, he has to
1: exactly that's my husband, and he we talk about this all the time. But they have parents; those are their parents. You are not, the, you know then you have a separate conversation with their parents. Like, hey, just so you know, you know. And I also feel like on the parents' end, if the parents are aware that this child is transitioning, they should have a conversation with their teacher. You know what I'm saying? That's adult business. I feel like you... I think that art is lost anyway because my parents used to be up at the school. Like, that's not... I don't I don't see that now. Anytime the parents are up at the school, it's like for something... Foolish, like your child got in trouble, now you want to cuss me out because
0: whatever. Instead of have, instead of being present in the school, visible in the Absolutely. school, and involved in the child. So. And I
1: think that should be a conversation, especially because that's such a sensitive subject. You know, if your child is transitioning to be like, hey...
0: Let's Miss- go through this together.
1: Absolutely, okay. Mr. So-and-so, can we have a conversation? This is what they prefer to be called, and ah-ah-ah. That is the parental thing to do, instead of putting... Your child in a position where they're at school, you're now engaging with an adult on that level.
0: I don't. Agree we with don't that. know if that happened. Though. I mean, but we. But we. It seems like perhaps it was. Yeah, so that's a you're good right. Point. That so was assumed. That I think that that is a great place to conclude our Monday edition of the Three Plus One podcast. Woo-hoo! And I'm excited to for tomorrow. Where we're going to talk a little bit about how you balance all the, the the all the roles that you have to play as a human being in general. And then go into some big, uh, exciting things happening in the world of entertainment. So, thank you so much, uh, Loreal for being with us on Monday. I can't You're wait to see so you tomorrow. <laughs>
1: see y'all tomorrow.
0: Uh, or listen to us tomorrow. Oh. Like, please listen to us tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.